Hello and welcome to a special edition of Varsity 360. You can see we have almost the whole crew here. I'm Colombian sports editor Micah Rice, joined from my left uh, Will Denner and Tim Martinez. And we are here for a special edition from the First Pacific Financial Studio where we are going to unveil the all-region football team for 2023. And uh, uh, this is an exciting project that we look forward to every year. It kind of is the capstone of the fall sports season. And and uh, we love the opportunity to recognize some of the best football players in the area and cast a spotlight on the seasons that they've just had. So we are going to reveal that team here today. Uh, obviously, the publication will come out online on Saturday and in the print edition of the Columbian. But let's get right to it. But before we start announcing who these selections are, Tim, why don't you take us through the process of how we go picking our all-region team? All right, the selection process is kind of a, a two-pronged approach. Uh, first off, uh, the, the, the four of us and staff, the three of us plus Meg Wachnick, we all met last week, and we all came into the meeting with our own individual selections for the all-region team. In addition to that, we sent out a ballot to the coaches, and we got pretty good response. We got about you know, 17, 18 responses out of about 24 or 25 coaches that got the ballot. Um, the ballot that we sent to coaches was based off the all-league teams, the first-team all-league teams, and we sent by position according to the all-league teams. And um, But the, the final selections, we were not beholden to those positions, which uh, – but it, 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 the, the feedback that we get from that allows us to make um, some of our decisions. There were some times when we had our own decisions about who we thought should make the team, and we looked at the coaches' selection, and we thought – well, this particular player got a lot of support from the coaches, so it changed um, our thought process. Mm -hmm. And there's other times when we looked at the coaches' selection and it didn't really jive with what our selections were. And so, um, again, so we're not beholden to a position. So there'll be some players who are selected at a position that they weren't on the ballot for, for the coaches to select. And that's because um, a lot of times with the all-league team that um, a player who plays two positions may only get selected to the first team at a offensive position or at a defensive position. Um, sometimes they're very good at both. Um, I think coaches, a lot of times the all-league team, they're trying to get as many names as they can onto that team. And so that they try to spread that out. So we kind of took that into consideration. So there are some players who maybe made the team at a position on the opposite side of the ball from where they were on the ballot. So um, just as an overall thing, and this is true with all of our all-region teams, you know, there are going to be players on who got left off this team. So are there deserving players, players who deserve to be on this team, who didn't make the team? Absolutely. Um, but as I tell people all the time, if that wasn't the case, there wouldn't be a point in putting this team together in the first place. So um, a lot of moving parts, especially when you're working with different classifications. Um, the other thing about the all-league teams is the all-league teams are selected based on regular season competition. And our selection for all season, all region includes the entire playoff run as mm -hmm. well. So that also sort of uh, impacted some of our decision making. All right. Well, without further ado, let's go to our first position group that we're going to unveil. And those are the defensive backs. We have four selections at defensive back, uh, starting off Riley Artis of Skyview, Angel Lopez of Battleground, J.J. Thompson of Mountain View, 
and Joe Calarami of Seton Catholic. So congratulations to our four all-region defensive backs. Uh, what stood out to you about any of these players that you were able to see over the course of the season? Um, I'll start with Joe Calarami, um, a great two-way player for Seton Catholic. I think a really hard-hitting, uh, good coverage, just a big-time playmaker at defensive back. Um, a big reason why Seton Catholic had the turnaround that they did this year um, to get all the way to the 1A um, state semifinals. Um, you know, re reaching new heights for this program this year. Yeah. Um, also, uh, you know, among the coaches, the Riley Artists, Riley Artists got a lot of support from the coaches. It got support from, I think, all of us as well. So it was a pretty, uh, uh, you know, uh, a good selection on that part. And then uh, also J.J. Uh, Thompson also got um, a lot of uh, recognition from within the coaches, and I think we had them on our ballots as well. And then uh, Angel Lopez, I think I think th there were like a lot of players from Battleground that we were looking at selecting, and yeah. he was he was a player that I think in games that we saw Battleground play stuck out to us. Well, I was able to see Battleground a lot early in the season, and at that time uh, the. Battleground's defense was really setting the tone. They pitched a, a couple of shutouts to start off uh, the, you know, their season and really announced to the rest of Southwest Washington that Battleground was a program on the rise. And Angel Lopez, from that defensive back position, basically hunting down those, those balls and coming up with some key interceptions that really turned the momentum uh, toward the favor of the Tigers in those early games, I think really stood out to me. And he led the team in interceptions. I think he had three on the season. And um, one of the biggest moments that stands out to me is he kind of came through with a game ceiling uh, pick six against Union which is a huge moment for them and really kind of uh, made the push for them uh, to be able to get to the postseason this season and uh, you know you talk about other players that make an impact from a defensive back position even though they go two ways I look at JJ Thompson a four-year starter yeah. and really what that uh, defense at Mountain View uh, able to you know, stay so consistent, running off eight consecutive wins, nine consecutive wins if you consider the postseason. Right, right. That uh, that that was uh, really, I thought, a tone setter at that for JJ at that position. And he was named both a first team All Purpose player and defensive back, so another really versatile player, obviously in our area. All right. The next position group we'll go to is boy, there were some really strong players and selections that I thought were, were among the linebackers here. It's so hard to pick just four of them, but uh, the all-region linebackers of this year, Nico Spear of Camas, Aiden Denbo of Mountain View, Kellen Wiggins of Skyview, and Jacob Champagne of Battleground. Uh, boy, I, I think you could make a case for a defensive player of the year for a couple of these guys. Well, yeah. Um, uh, again, in the ballot that we sent to the coaches, I made a, I made an error and I put Aiden Denbo at defensive line, where he was actually a <laughs> linebacker. So, um, but he was the defensive player of the year in the three A Greater St. Helens League, and Nico Spear was the defensive player of the year in the four A Greater St. Helens League. Um, you know, Jacob Champagne was kind of like you know sometimes we put a player at a position, but it's really their all around game. I think we mm -hmm. talked about that with, with JJ Thompson. Uh, some of us had Jacob at a running back position in our selections and other, and so we truly, we, we wanted to find a spot for Jacob because we thought he made such an overall impact to that battleground team this year. And that's, that's why we put him on here on this spot. 
Well, yeah, I mean, if you look at his numbers at running back, he was just kind of a little bit behind the, the, the leaders statistically in the area. But considering how he was kind of the engine that made that team go, and that uh, extended to the defensive side of the ball. So uh, obviously that linebacking core at Battleground uh, really, I thought, was, was a tough group this year. Yeah, absolutely. Between him and Cody Huntsinger and Cody Clark and Noah Curry, really a stellar group and one of the reasons why Battleground had the defense they did, and you guys alluded to it. I mean, Champagne was just a really tremendous leader for them this year, and I think, again, a big part of the turnaround that their program had. Um, you, you look at Aiden Denbo, too. I mean, uh, you know, last week you guys were talking about all the, the memorable moments and that goal line stand on the two-point conversion. That was all in Denbo, and to, you know, to come up with plays like that on a consistent basis, um, you know, that's... That, those are some of the things we look for, I think, too, when making these selections is just how these players perform in the biggest moments. And, and Denbo always did that. Well, he just passes the eye test. You yeah. look across uh, at, at that starting 11 on Mountain View's defense, and you're like, oh, I'm going to keep an eye on that guy because that guy looks like a man among boys. Yeah, <laughs> so, absolutely. And uh, then, um, you know, Kellen Wiggins, uh, you know, I think for all the – preseason hype that Skyview's offense got their playmakers the defense is really what helped them reach the success that they had and and, and Kellen Wiggins was right in the middle of all of that and again I think I think it's another he sort of represents part of that because uh, that Skyview defense when there were other players that we could have uh, sent the nod to on this one but you know Kellen's kind of stuck out for us yeah how many times was I following a game and looking at update and it's like fumble recovered by Kellen Wiggins and it's, it's just a guy that always seemed to be around the ball and we should talk about Nico Spear, too. I mean, oh, yeah. for, for a uh, Greer St. Helens League Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, boy, Camus, they did not take a step backwards at all in the 4A Greer St. Helens League. And I got to think that defense led by Nico was a big reason. Yeah, I mean, he was one of the captains and leaders of their team. And um, I think a, a player that guys really rallied around. And, I mean, when you look at the fact that they – they lose their first game and their last game, and in between, uh, win everyone and their defense. Man, they just had some weeks there where they looked um, absolutely dominant, honestly. Yeah. All right, our next position group we're going to unveil, the defensive line. Four selections here, starting with Aiden Jones of Camus, Rhea Tua of Skyview, Ryan Kowalik of LaCenter, and Danny McDonald of Ridgefield. And uh, boy, again, great talent in this, but I, I think it's worth starting with Ryan Kowalik, the big lineman at La Center. Uh, he's gonna play offensive line in college, but uh, uh, it made sense when we constructed this team to put him at defense. Tim, why don't you talk about why? Yeah, well, we had uh, just so many offensive linemen on the ballot and, and trying to consideration. And, uh, you know, we were looking for the players who, you know, we could have moved any a lot, several of them into this position, and we just kind of thought, um, you know, this is something that Ryan did a, a lot this year that he hadn't done previous year because of injuries or whatnot. Mm -hmm. And I, I again, I think uh, it kind of spoke to LaCenter's defense this year and how they played, and we kind of wanted to put a nod toward the LaCenter defense on here, and so um, that's why we we, we plotted uh, Ryan on the defensive line. Yeah. Uh, other players in this group that stood out to me, Rhea Tua might be one of the best edge rushers that I saw this season uh, for Skyview, always hounding the quarterback, uh, making life miserable for offensive tackles. Uh, uh, if you're going to 
mount a pass rush so often it comes from that defensive end position and Rio Tua was about as good as they come this season yeah and he uh, battled some injuries mid-season but still made an impact with them uh, down to their the Storms run to the 4A quarterfinals and kind of a similar thing for uh, Danny McDonald at Ridgefield as well he was the 2A Greater St. Helens League defensive MVP um, he had a stress fracture I believe in his lower back that held him out for the first two games of the season but came back and made a really big impact um, Ridgefield was a little thin and experienced at a few positions, but line was not one of them. Uh, McDonald, I think, was uh, one of four returners on the offensive line and a pretty experienced defensive line as well. And we got to, you know, obviously go with Aiden Jones and that defensive line of Camus. Uh, just how stout were they this year? Well, you know, they were really good. Um, going all the way back to the, the game one with Yelm, you know, when they – lost the game, I think it was 8-7 or something yeah. like that. Um, they kind of played uh, really good defense the entire season. I think some of the, you look at some of their scores and, and the games that teams scored on them, they kind of scored late after the game had been decided. Um, and in, and in, the, in the league, in the 4A league games, they were just, uh, just dominant the whole way through that. So, uh, you know, Aiden Jones, big part of that. Yeah. All right. Well, that wraps it up for our defense. Uh, before we go to the offense, we have a couple of positions that uh, uh, we, we want to recognize, and that is the all-purpose player and the place kicker slash punter. Uh, why don't we start with place kicker slash punter, and that goes to Kobe Johnson of Washougal. Just He's been there for uh, for several or uh, at least three years uh, that I can remember, um, you know, very accurate, uh, can do it all. But, uh, but the thing is, we never really got to see him punt because <laughs> Washougal doesn't punt. So uh, he definitely showed off from a kicking place kicking position. Yeah, he's worked on his craft for, for a few years now and, and going to specialist camps and everything. And he's he's just been a really reliable special teams player for them. And um, I think, you know, like you said, he didn't punt a lot. But when he was kicking, I remember there was that game against Bay when he kicked an extra point over the uh, – the locker rooms at Kiggins Bowl and just just has tremendous range and a very accurate kicker and uh, yeah he's been really dependable for them for a few years now. Yeah, he was a player that I think was you know a finalist for this position last year mm -hmm. and um, and we decided to go a different direction last year. So I think coming into this year we thought. Uh, yeah, the, the contributions he made in the kicking game for Washougal were big this year. Next, our all-purpose player, Raphael Bauman of Hudson's Bay. And this was an interesting decision because you have to take into account, uh, obviously, a player that contributes not only offensively but perhaps defensively and especially special teams and there are a number of players in Clark County who fit this bill but Raphael Bauman I just remember the big kickoff return he had in that game against Ridgefield that uh, ended up being the game winner pretty much uh, also a threat to score uh, on offense from basically anywhere on, on the field with that breakaway speed and then also playing in Hudson Space defensive backfield uh, what led us to consider Raphael Bauman the all-purpose player of the year. Yeah, again, I think as we were coming down trying to select, some of us had him slotted in at running back and um, others, you know, defensive back. And we just thought that his overall game kind of, he, he deserved to be on this team someplace. Yeah. And uh, so the all-purpose uh, position seemed to, to work out really well because, again, he had so many huge plays, big plays, long plays, um, both returning, you know, interceptions for touchdowns and kickoff returns. Punt returns, 
and then the running game itself. Well, we debated too. It's like uh, I, I think Joe Calarami was also a player that we were considering for this position, and it just goes to show how, especially when you look at, at Class Two A or One A, what an impact player can make in multiple facets. Yeah. Yeah. All right, now we go to the uh, the offensive players, and we'll start with those big guys up front, the offensive line, and we have five posi- uh, positions that we have chosen for this, starting with one of the best uh, that we've seen over the last two years, Carson Osmus of Camas, headed to Washington State. Uh, next is Alexander Cedarstrom of Skyview. Next, another uh, college-bound offensive lineman, Peyton Stewart of Kelso, headed to Oregon State. Well, yeah, decommitted. He decommitted. Oh, decommitted. Yeah. Okay, well, it's, uh, he'll He's end up somewhere. Yeah. He's yeah. going someplace. He's going someplace. We don't know where yet. And another uh, uh, D1 guy, Fox Crater, committed to Oregon, uh, the ever- big offensive lineman from Evergreen. And then uh, Ty Talea of Hudson's Bay. Just uh, let's start with Ty and sort of the overall performance of Hudson's Bay offensive line and how important that group was to a very successful year for the Eagles. Yeah, I think we kind of felt like somebody needed to be picked from Hudson's Bay on that offensive line this year because they were so instrumental to their success. And for Ty Talea Jr., he's uh, played right guard primarily for them. He's now been twice named uh, first team All League guy. And uh, I would say probably the most, you know, physically imposing of the group, but just kind of, a, you know, your classic workmanlike offensive lineman that puts his head down and and does his job. And uh, yeah, he was he was a standout for them and their whole offensive line this year really set the tone for that team. Right. Fox Crater uh, dealt with some injuries, but still uh, y- you talk about a guy that. You, you notice once he steps on the field, that's Fox, just how big and when he's healthy, how mobile he is. Yeah, it's, you know, that was one of the things that we considered when we talked about making these selections. We were like, well, you know, he, he missed some games with injuries. How does that impact our decision? Um, you know, from the coach's standpoint, uh, they had seen enough and, and they voted for him overwhelmingly. We said, okay, well, good. We'll, we'll put him on. You know, we had him on our list. Um, you know, sometimes you have to you know, factor that into you know, the decision-making process, um, how much of an impact they have actually on the field. And, and when he was on the field, he made a huge, huge impact. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, Evergreen's offense reflected that when he was on the field. Talk about a player and a, a lineman group who made a huge impact uh, progressively as the season went on. And that was Kelso and that line led by Peyton Stewart. I mean, that was a team that no one really wanted to face at the end of the season because of how good their running game had become with Aiden Mintanya, uh, you know, starting off a little slow, but then by the end of the year, he was as dangerous as any running back in the area. And a lot of those big runs came uh, running behind Peyton Stewart in that line. Yeah. Kelso has a strong tradition of, of line play and uh, Stewart was, you know, he's been kind of on the rise for a few years now, just a really athletic guy. He's a good basketball player as well, much like Fox Crater. And it was actually interesting watching Evergreen and Kelso play and seeing those two match up on the offensive and defensive lines, respectively. And, and uh, yeah, to circle back, I mean, Stewart, uh, he's kind of had an interesting recruiting journey as well. He was committed to Northwestern in the summer and then decommitted, went to Oregon State. And then obviously after uh, Jonathan Smith left, he once again opened his commitment, but uh, he's poised to land uh, somewhere great. And uh, yeah, he's been he's been a stellar lineman for them. Alexander Cedarstrom of Skyview, again, uh, uh, you know, he, he was a guy that I think, uh, you know, when you noticed a big play being broken, he was usually in the area kind of, uh, you know, pushing a guy out of the way or opening a hole. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, 
you know, you kind of sit back and you, a lot of times when you're at a game, you usually talk to the quarterback, the running back, whatever, and you want to go f- find an offensive lineman. And you, so you start watching the game a little bit closer on the offensive line, like who's making the plays at the line. And I remember a couple of games going out and seeing Alexander uh, just making some some big blocks to open open things up for them. And so he, uh, again, you know, sort of the uh, the representative of that line and the way they played this year. And finally, Carson Osmus, the standout player of a offensive line group at Camus that we you know, collectively tagged as being one of the more elite position groups in the area. I mean, you talk about uh, you know, a strength in that offense. It was that offensive line for Camus. Yeah, I believe they returned all five starters uh, this year from last, and, and Osmus was their left tackle. And really another just great leader for Camus. One of the things that kind of impressed me most and kind of spoke to his high character was how he he responded during losses. I think he spoke to the media during both and was really kind of, you know, frank and kind of uh, reflective about what Camus needed to do better. And and I think, uh, yeah, it just spoke to, to his high character and how much he was able to lead that team this year. And he'll be a great addition to Washington State as well. Definitely. The next position group, this was an exciting group to pick, our wide receivers. We have four of them, uh, starting with Gavin Packer of Skyview, Trenton Swanson of Camas, Sam Evers of Washougal, and Aiden Nicholson of Mountain View. And boy, you can make a, an argument that any one of these four players would would be the most talented player on their team and really the impact player that made made him go. Um, you know, uh, obviously, uh, Sam Evers of Washougal, you could you know, maybe step back away from what I said because Holden B is obviously kind of the cog of, of that uh, uh, offense. But so often uh, when Washougal needed a big play, it was Sam Evers coming up with it. Yeah, I mean, he's their go-to target, obviously has been for a couple of years now, and, and just a tremendous catch range, too. I remember, uh, I think it was the district playoff win against Aberdeen. He catches their first touchdown with a defender draped all over him and just kind of a one-handed snag that really kind of gave them momentum, and uh, he topped 1,000 receiving yards. I believe that might have been the high one of, if not the highest in our area. Also, he was the receiver that Holden B targeted in the 2A Greater St. Helens League tiebreaker right, yeah. when uh, they uh, they needed a touchdown to uh, extend uh, and have a chance to eventually win against Hudson's Bay. It was Sam Evers uh, making that catch. And so, obviously, favorite target of a great quarterback, you're going to end up with some great yards. Yeah. <laughs> uh, going on, uh, you know, Talk about Aiden Nicholson, another guy who kind of, you know, endured some injuries. But when he was healthy, he had big play potential that uh, uh, could, you know, ignite an offense from anywhere. Yeah, he's, um, you know, I think at any time they needed a big pass play, it was they were looking at Aiden Nicholson, uh, usually right down the middle, down yeah. the middle of the field, you know. And uh, when you when you saw the ball go down the middle of the field, you kind of knew that Aiden, Aiden was going to be on the other end of that. That, that reception and he was always making big plays um you know big run after the catch um just uh just a talented all-around player well and he's a guy too that you could sort of flex at tight end if uh for those of you uh tuning in or or reading uh later uh you know what about the tight ends there aren't that many true tight ends mm-hmm. among teams in our leagues but you know Aiden Nicholson's got some good height I think he's what six three six two six three yeah. um and so he's a guy that Mountain View would flex at the tight end position and and so he can kind of check that box if you need yeah um the next two uh again just all around uh, great players at multiple positions you could probably tag these two players as uh, all-purpose 
players, obviously, but uh, let's start with Trenton Swanson, just kind of Camus's do-everything guy. Yeah, he was the 4A Greater St. Helens League co-MVP along with, uh, or I should say offensive MVP, along with uh, quarterback Jake Kennedy of Skyview. Um, just a really high-volume receiver, and, you know, for a first-year starting quarterback like Jake Davidson at Camus, um, a really reliable target for him as well. But then, of course, he's... He, uh, Swanson's a great defensive back. He's been a punter for them. He's He can return punts and kickoffs. I think there was one game this year against Kamiak where he actually scored on offense, defense, and special teams. Yeah. So a real true all-around guy. But, um, you know, on his, you know, receiving talents alone, more than deserving of an all-region spot once again. Yeah, and then the final player in this group, Gavin Packer of Skyview, just a junior. Yeah, he's going to be potentially uh, one of the best players in the area next year, but uh, a, a great all-around season for Gavin Packer, an impactful season at multiple positions. Tim, what did you, what stood out among Gavin Packer's uh, highlights? This yeah, year? you know, Gavin started out the year, I think he had a hamstring injury yeah. early in the year, and so he didn't play the first couple of years, and you really, and you know, and, and Skyview gutted through a couple of, uh, you know, tough wins against, uh, I think it was Jesuit in week one. I think they played River in week two. And then, you know, once he got in and got healthy and got going, that, that offense really sort of took off. And, uh, you know, a game that really stuck out for me that I was at was the the week 10 uh, by district uh, playoff game with uh, Bethel when they just kept throwing Gavin Packer screenplays and letting him go and take off and, and score touchdowns. And then, uh, you know, uh, there was a kickoff return, I think, to start the second half that, you know, was going to bounce into the end zone, but he decided to go back and pick it up. And you just kind of saw it because it was coming straight towards me. I can just kind of see the alley as it was coming towards me, come racing to him for a touchdown. So, uh, yeah, he is, again, another, like you said, another all-purpose player who could kind of do things from a lot of different spots in the field. It was uh, – he put in a lot of work in the offseason to make himself stronger and, 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 a, and a more, you know, a bigger target. And he just made yeah, great play after great play. All right. Okay, going on to the running backs, uh, we have two of them. And again, this was a tough decision because there was just a glut of great running backs uh, in the area this year. But the two we settled on, Porter Drake of Mountain View and Jacob Williams of Seton Catholic. Porter Drake, boy, talk about some numbers from the running back position. Uh, what does that say about the position he or the uh, season he put together? I didn't cover Mountain View a whole lot, but it seemed like every every game that I saw, just a headline. I mean, just ridiculous, uh, you know, statistics on the ground. It seemed like every other game, if not every game, and uh, between him and and I believe his name is Jaden Brown, their other running back, just a really uh, talented tandem, but. Porter Drake uh, ended up just having a stellar year, and he ended up being uh, co-offensive uh, player of the year in the three acres in Helens League, along with his teammate, quarterback, Cash Cook. Yeah, I mean, broke the 1,000-yard plateau, 1,188 yards and 14 touchdowns. He had some monster yeah. games. And he, he was a hard runner, you know. Yeah. He was a hard runner to bring down. He, you know, he isn't especially big guy, you know, but he was just gutty and would, uh, you know, there were games that I saw him play where he would get, 20, 25, you know, carries in there. And he, I think he kind of also kind of carries, you know, uh, this honor for his offensive linemen. Mm -hmm. None of them made our team, even though, you know, some, was, some of them was a hard decision not to put on. I think Porter uh, sort of carries that uh, recognition. And I'm sure he would also credit his offensive line to that. Uh, but uh, had some big games where, you know, over 20, I think that maybe three or more, 200 plus yard yeah. rushing games 
um, just a really big, big part of Mountain View success this year. All right. Another guy that I think really is representative of the overall team success is Jacob Williams. Uh, over a thousand yards rushing again. Uh, yeah, there were so many playmakers on that Seton Catholic team that outlasted every other Southwest Washington team in making it to the 1A uh, state semifinals. But uh, Jacob Williams, a hard runner, uh, you'd be, you know, really going behind, uh, you know, an offensive line that maybe maybe isn't as big as some of the other ones around, but uh, he always find a way to make plays. It seemed. Yeah, I thought he was arguably, you know, their most valuable player on offense for stretches this this season in the games I saw at least. And you know, like you said, just a really hard runner and this kind of upright physical style that just I mean just a tough guy to, to bring down and um, yeah for Seton I mean to have a guy like that that you can really just turn to and and feed for carry after carry when maybe the passing game isn't totally firing on all cylinders I mean it seemed like Jacob Williams uh, responded to that challenge every time yeah I think especially early in the season it took a little while for Seton's uh, passing game to kind of find hit its stride mm-hmm. Uh, Jacob carried the load a lot in the early part of the season. Uh, we saw I saw him against the center midseason in a big game. He played a big role in, in the rain where it's a little bit harder to pass. Um, you know, he, again, was another just a hard runner and a hard guy to bring down and, and burning a lot of hard yards. Okay. Our all-region quarterback of the year, and this was maybe the toughest decision <clears throat> that we had to make of any of these position groups. Uh, only one, uh, and it is Holden B. of Washougal. This was a tough decision, him or Jake Kennedy of Skyview. Uh, almost, uh, Tim, why don't you tell you, it was basically split between the coaches. Yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty, pretty split. I think a lot of the, uh, the, the 4A, 3A kind of leaned toward Jake Kennedy and a lot of the 2A coaches uh, you know, leaned toward uh, Holden B. I mean, we were split ourselves. I think we left this position last as we were kind of going yeah. through the process. <laughs> like, well, we'll get back to this one. Um, you know, it's a little bit odd because last year Holden B was our player of the year for all region team. And so it'd be kind of weird to come back next year and not even have him as the quarterback. Um, He had a fantastic season. I think he combined for 48 touchdowns, either passing or running. Um, The the Panthers really leaned on Holden this year. I think last year they had uh, Liam Atkin, who was a all region uh, running back uh, for them. And, um, that sort of consistent running and the running game took a, a little bit while to develop for Washugo and, and it, a lot of times it was Holden B running the ball. Um, and I, I especially, you know, I watched him in his final game up at Ording and he, you know, he did everything he could to help that team uh, try to advance. And uh, it was just a, just a special player. Well, and, when Washougal stumbled this season, it wasn't because of what they were doing on offense. It was usually because maybe their defense wasn't clicking the way that uh, that, that they had hoped. But uh, like you said, uh, Holton B did everything that was asked of him. And for, for me, that that's what sort of tipped the, the balance in his favor was just some of the ungodly statistics that he put together. I mean, uh, uh, would he, he have uh, by far uh, the, the leading passer this this uh, season? And, and I, I, I don't have a, how many yards he ended up with. I don't think we, we got every one of Washougal's 
you know, games in our stat database. But even without that, he was by far and away the most prolific passer in the area. And a top 10 rusher, you know, among all players, running backs included. Um, he played defense for them, which uh, you don't always see from the quarterback position, but they needed him uh, really to, to help in the, in the defensive backfield as well. And, and yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you can get into the debate kind of, of you know, the, the team uh, kind of finished too. And obviously Skyview went a little further this year than, than Washugal, but you know, I think when it comes down to a Holden B, um, still earned it. And even when they had some bumps in the road midseason, they, you know, they had that loss to Woodland to open the the league schedule. And I believe actually he got hurt in that game, which obviously hurt them. And then they lose to Ridgefield, but they still rallied back. And you know, he's he's been a great leader for them. And I think uh, I think you know he he's the guy that uh, that get got them as far as they did. And um, to me, that's that's a deserving thing. Well, and and I think we posed the question when we, uh, the four of us, Meg Wachnick, who if, if you haven't been following along, she has started a uh, a, a two month trip in to help some people in Honduras. So that's the only reason why she's not here. But the four of us, we posed the decision: if you were drafting a team of Clark County players, who's the one quarterback you would pick? And I I, I would not, you know, start a, a team without selecting Holden at that quarterback position, just the experience and the um, productiveness and everything that he brings. Yeah. And again, I don't think it's a knock on any other quarterback in the area. It's just, you know, kind of a testament to how Holden B, how special Holden B has been these past few years. Yeah. All right. And that brings us to our final position, the big one, the all region player of the year. And those of you who have followed uh, high school football in Southwest Washington, this is probably no surprise. It's the do everything player for the 2A Grayer St. Helens League champion, Woodland Beavers, Elijah Anderson. Boy, I can't say enough about the season Elijah Anderson put together. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, he he was a, a tremendous running back, and, and the Beavers put him out in, in receiving, and so he would make big plays uh, catching the ball and and, and running the ball, and uh, just uh, just a, really the center cog to this league championship season that the Beavers had this year. Yeah, I think we talk a lot about you know some of the versatile players, but he he was definitely among the most, and um, yeah, just again you know a lot of big play ability. Uh, there was a, ge- a really key game for them against Hudson's Bay when it was like Woodland, Bay, and Ridgefield all tied near the top of that league, and he explodes for five touchdowns. I think three of them went for over 50 yards, and that ended up catapulting them into that league title game against Ridgefield, which which they had, which Woodland ended up winning to capture their first league title since 2007. Um, yeah, he, he did so much for that team. Well, and especially consider, I think we've, figured before the year that Woodland was going to be good that you know that we, we, we were impressed with first year uh, that coach Sean McDonald had put together in 2022 and figured year two of that coaching regime would see continued progress uh, but I don't think any of us thought that Woodland would eventually be the league champions and it was one of those cases where once you saw just how special of a player Elijah was then you wouldn't put anything by the Beavers this year to, yeah, and they're more than deserving of being in that league ch- uh, champion position. It will probably be the favorites next year. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, yeah, they were getting a lot of buzz, I think, in the preseason. I I did the 2A Greater St. Helens League for our tab this year, and it seemed like every coach had something positive to say about Woodland and obviously Elijah Anderson as well. And then we, we also learned, uh, I should say Meg Wachnick learned during reporting for this all-region story that he played the last four games of the season with an MCL injury and was determined to stay on the field for their run, uh, not only to finish the league, but then into the playoffs as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, what what better way to cap this group and and uh, this fall season than uh, you know a, a salute to a, a special player and by extension a, a special team and uh, all of these players are just so deserving. So again, congratulations to everyone who made the team uh, and and even many of those who didn't. Uh, 2023 was a special season. A lot of the stories we saw and some of them we didn't see. You know that would go into everyone uh you know the the growth and the you know coming together and representing your community it's just so special so once again thank you for tuning in be sure to pick up uh uh the saturday edition of the columbian for the print version of this story or see us online at 360 preps and we will see you next week